Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am J.P. Mosier. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. J.P., how you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing fantastic, Rob. Today we're going to be talking to some uh, rockers from Flint, Michigan. Hey now. Uh, home of Jackie Moon in the Flint tropics. Uh, okay, so y'all know I'll, <laughs> that's a little uh, Will Ferrell reference for you there. Corn dogs, Jackie. Corn dogs. Okay, so y'all know I always try to say segue into something band related and you know so i was trying to find a way to do a pun on flint michigan water crisis so, oh no you know, I don't, wait it started in 2014 but why was, would you do a pun wait, on that wait wait wait, wait because <laughs> if you're i looked it up i started reading just i went kind of deep on reading that just as i got distracted so if you're looking up what it talks about it it says it's when lead got into the water or metal if you will and it said heavy metal neurotoxin oh no and i thought there's got to be a way i can segue heavy oh, metal no. but you know what this is a rock band they're not a metal band so we're not going to do a heavy metal segue tie-in okay so that's it that's pretty i, I, I kept it i was trying to get there with uh with rock band related heavy metal and i spent way too much time and i was like you know what i'm just gonna say heavy metal neurotoxin and say that there's this rock band from flint michigan okay so there it's an a for effort it's a, a, an f a d minus for taste <laughs> Uh, and we're shirtless because we're yeah. hanging out with Mark Farner, everybody. Yeah. So me and Rob are both recording this shirtless. We have got, I mean, we interviewed Mark Farner. Yeah. You and know that's what I mean? Com- that's coming at, we said that way too early, but that's what's coming at the end. And y'all that saw it, guys, this happened. Yeah. He's like, like bucket list. It's, exactly. It's a big one for us. We like, freaked out. Yeah. This is, this is huge. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the song, Some Kind of Wonderful by Grand Funk Railroad, which is just an all time great rock doo-wop crossover song it just feels so good almost every version of it feels really good yeah there's one in particular <laughs> that i'm gonna play you here in a minute that doesn't feel so great but uh but the one you know and love oh yeah feels wonderful why don't we why don't we it feels some kind of wonderful oh, why don't we, we go. go ahead and play it right play now what we're talking about this is some kind of wonderful by grand funk railroad She's a, she's a, she's a, yeah, 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 yeah. That 
It's some kind of wonderful oh, man. by Grand Funk Railroad, aka Grand Funk. When you go, when you when you say it, nobody you, says the railroad. When you reference them, do you call them Grand Funk or Grand, Grand Funk? Grand Funk, really? Every time, yeah. I usually I, I go railroad. Really? Yeah. I never say the railroad. Really? No. That's interesting. They've been gone by both. Um, Grand Funk Railroad. The name comes from uh, an actual railroad that ran through Flint, Michigan, called Grand Trunk. Western Railroad, and so they sort of you know played on that and came up with Grand Funk Railroad, which is a great band name. Yeah, that's just a great band name. And it sort of over time just got shortened uh, to Grand Funk. I don't think it was anything like a legal thing or you know it wasn't like that. Uh, it just got shortened to Grand Funk, and then they went back to Grand Funk Railroad later on in their careers. Um, and uh, so yeah, anyway, whatever you call them, whether you call them whether you go railroad or no. Uh, one of the greatest. They still bring the funk. Absolutely, one of the greatest rock bands of all time. I mean, that's without hyperbole. You could oh, say yeah. that. They're, they're... And and not yet members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yet is the key word, which is a sham. Absolutely. How can Grand Funk and Joe Cocker not be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the year of our Lord 2020? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah, that's incendiary. That's just insane. Uh, this is from the 1974 album, All the Girls in the World Beware. Oh, man, such a great album <laughs> cover. Everything about this album is just money. I love it. The album cover is the members of Grand Funk Railroad with their faces. It's actually not them. It's bodybuilding champions. It's Mr. Ar- Universe. Arnold Schwarzenegger and yeah. Franco Columbu. Yeah, from from the Mr. Universe uh, uh, competition with the members of Grand Funk's uh, faces, you know, pasted on, onto their bodies. <laughs> it's something that me and Rob would do. With yeah, our, it really is. It looks like an album cover that we would. If make. you go back to some of our, we used to do a lot of photoshopping for the for the weekly episodes, and yeah, it was something like that. What's the best one that we ever did? The Kenny one? Rogers Dolly Parton one <laughs> is pretty, pretty good. You guys need to go back and look at that little graphic. That's kind of freaky, yeah. but it's well done. Yes. Rob pulls off the Kenny Rogers pretty well, <laughs> <laughs> pretty convincingly. Um, yeah, I think that one, and maybe uh, um, I always like the. Christopher Cross episode. Yeah. Uh, that was a good one, too. So, um, so yeah. Oh, the Orleans one? That was oh, a good that one, was too. Great one too. The shirtless That's one. true. When people didn't even realize sometimes that we had photoshopped our own faces into some of those. Yeah. So, uh, so from the 1974 album, I just love the title, All the Girls in the World Beware. Yeah. All the girls all in the, girls. the world beware. <laughs> That's every you know, female. Like, yeah, like, we're coming for all of you. Uh, written by John Ellison, not mm-hmm. actually written by Grand Funk Railroad. We'll talk about that in just a minute. It hit number three on the Billboard Hot 100, number six in Canada. Uh, it's just a legendary track. It feels so good. Uh, it's the shuffle. We talked about it with Dave Barnes. You know what I mean? This is more of a blues-type shuffle, a doo-wop-type shuffle, uh, as opposed to the everybody rules, everybody wants to rule the world, uh, you know, sort of almost a uh, multi- um, meter, meter sort of feeling uh, shuffle, but uh, yeah, this is just a straight doom, 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 that just drives. And um, Grand Funk Railroad is noted as being a band that just that their rhythm section power trio, right? It's just three oh, guys, man. and we're going to talk to Mark about the power trio. Yeah, and and they're they're just noted for having uh, bass, drums, and guitar that just slam, and they were they are. Um, there's this line from the movie Spinal Tap where uh, at the beginning, uh, Marty DeBerge, the director, who's really uh, Rob, Rob Reiner. Uh, Reiner, is saying, you know, uh, I got the chance to travel with one of England's loudest bands. <laughs> and it, it's kind of a joke in that. But that's literally a distinction that Grand Funk Railroad has as they were so loud. Yeah. <laughs> Their concerts were so big and loud. And they are just sort of like 
the ultimate party band. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Uh, even even uh, even now, Mark Farner traveling with Mark Farner's American Band, his own uh, you know collection of of musicians, is just it's just a party band. They're here to just bring a good time. Uh, you know, one of their other, rock. obviously, one of their other classic songs is "We're an American Band," and we went back and forth on whether we should we're do like, that which one. Which one or this should one. we do? But some kind of play wonderful... a little of "We're American Band" just for okay. a second, just sure. so they can hear the other one that we were debating. And yeah. Anytime I can hear this, I like to. And yeah. we referenced it on our uh, David Bowie cowbell section. Okay, that's right. We did. Yes, it's yes. Great, um, great little um, cowbell. Yeah, from Don Brewer. Basically, this song is the thesis statement of Grand Funk Railroad, right? They're like, we're coming to your town, we'll help the party down, we're an American band. Come on. Yeah. Anyway, we won't go through the whole whole verse and chorus, but that's, you know, we're an American band is their other sort of iconic song. They have several that have sort of lived forever, uh, but I would say Some Kind of Wonderful and We're an American Band are the two. And Some Kind of Wonderful is just sort of really special to you and me for other reasons that we'll get into later. Um, so we wanted to we wanted to, to honor that one and and to get a chance to talk to Mark Farner, who was guitar player and vocalist. Uh, sort of, they had sort of split vocal duties, uh, and so Mark actually sings the second verse on some kind of wonderful, uh, and then he has his own version that we'll that we'll uh, talk about a little later too. Um, but uh, man, to talk to Mark was an all time treat for us. Like sure. uh, it was like a big old lollipop. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so super excited. Uh, you want to? Should we? Okay, no. Before we meet the band, before we meet the band, I do want to play the original version. This is actually a cover song. Um, and the original version was by a group called Soul Brothers Six uh, in the 1960s. Uh, this, as we said, came from the 1974 album, All the Girls in the World Beware, All the Girls. Um, While he's looking that up, too, this is one of only two songs they didn't write on the album. So they typically you know, write all the songs that they put on their album. They're, Farner's a great writer. Um, the other one is Look at Granny Run, Run, Run was the other one okay. that they have on this album that they didn't write. They had kind of a pattern of, uh, you know, apparently this happened because they would just be on the road and somebody would, one of the guys would start singing it and then they, the others would join in and they, and their, um, and their, you know, manager at the time uh, was like, you guys should just sing that song. Like it feels so good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were like, all right, you know, we'll just record it. So um, I think, and the same thing happened with the song Locomotion. They, Locomotion. they did a, uh, come on, baby, do the locomotion. They have a well-known version of that as well. And it's the same kind of thing. They were just kind of doing it to have fun and, you know, to yeah, kind of Todd, just. Todd Rundgren heard him whistling. It was like, oh, we should do that. Let's yeah. And do. so they just hopped in the studio and did it. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of thing happened. with uh, Inside Looking Out, an animals cover that they do on the Red Album, which I love the Red Album. Yeah. That's another good one. Legendary. So anyway, this is, uh, let me play you a little bit. This is the original version of Some Kind of Wonderful by Soul Brothers Six. It still feels good, too. I don't need that guitar part feels a whole high. lots of money. I don't need a big fine car. I got everything that a man wants. I got more than I could ask for. I don't have to run around. I don't have to stay out all night. Cause I got a sweet, a sweet loving woman. 
Farger's BTVs, though. That's the original version by The way he enunciates, I would have thought he would have chosen the word lady instead of woman, so he could have gone, my lady. Oh, instead of my baby. Made it lady instead mm. of her woman. That's true. A baby lady. You know, it's all just about. I, I, I just mean, a in place of, of woman. Kept baby. Oh, oh, oh that's right. He said sweet, woman. Oh, yes. Sweet woman. I think I figured he would have oh, given sweet him sweet loving lady. Another chance for him mm. to use his lady. And then kind of another internal rhyme with yeah. baby. That's true. Just well, well pointed. Well pointed. But great song. We're great. not knocking it. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. I ain't, I ain't hating. No, no, no. Um, there is actually. Another version by the Soul Brothers Six that I'll bring out a little bit later, probably okay. post interview. Uh, yeah, because uh, it sucks. It's, <laughs> it's it's real bad, and uh, it's it's really interesting. But this is one of those uh, one of those great. I didn't know this song was a cover songs. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh, like a bunch of people don't know that this song. I don't know if I I don't think I knew it was a cover until we started researching it. Um, did you? Uh, no, I thought it was a Farner original. Yeah, just because he did it. On his solo stuff, right, so I yeah, thought yeah. he definitely wrote this one. Yeah, so I was but like, no, it turns out it was it was a cover, and so that's what I mean. One of those songs that they owned it so well, everybody thinks it's theirs. Yeah, yeah, everybody just thinks it's theirs. And so I was thinking about some more and looking up a few songs that a lot of people don't realize are covers. And we talked about uh, respect right in in the Aretha Franklin episode that you know a lot of people didn't know that was a cover. Blinded by the light, people didn't realize you know Springsteen wrote that. Uh, a few more and a few that, that surprised me that I had no idea. Um, a song that I don't care about, but I didn't know that it was a cover. How about Red Red Wine by UB40? Okay. Neil Diamond wrote that. How about That's that? That's a Neil Diamond song that apparently his version is very different. Okay. Uh, a lot more. I don't, their version is chill, but from what I read, I didn't bother to listen to it because I don't care about the song. But um, how about this one shocked me. I Love Rock and Roll by Joan, Joan Jett, Jett is a cover. Who did the original? Uh, the Arrows no, did it originally. Didn't know that. No clue. That's a Joan Jett song. Uh, Tainted Love by Soft Cell. Tainted Love is a cover. Gloria- by the Coneheads, right? Just kidding. Yes. <laughs> yes. Get away. Gloria Jones and Ed Cobb. I haven't seen that movie in forever. <laughs> I need to watch the Coneheads. Coneheads. Let's go watch Coneheads. Here's a real surprise. How about If I Was a Boy by Beyonce? Okay, who did the original? It's a cover. A, uh, an artist named B.C., I don't know if it's Jean or Jean, J-E-A-N, okay. B.C. Jean, uh, gave it to her uh, label, and they, they thought, nah. And so she <laughs> got it to Beyonce. Beyonce wow. cut it, made a huge That's record awesome. out of it. I, I bet B.C.'s not hating, though. She's still getting royalties. Sure, yeah, yeah. she's getting paid for it. Would like but, to have been the person, but yeah. pay me. Yeah. Uh, Hound Dog by Elvis was okay. a cover. Uh, Big Mama Thornton recorded it originally. There was a great backstory to it. I can't get into it. It's a little PG-13 for the show, but uh, but it is a good one. Uh, how about Dazed and Confused by Led Zeppelin? That's a okay. cover. A folk artist named Jake Holmes wrote Dazed and Confused, and his version, even uh, the way he delivers the vocals is is Robert Plant ish, but it's a folk. It's just an acoustic. It's Robert Plant folk. folk. Thing. Yeah, it's really strange. Uh, but yeah, oh, that shocked me. But here's one more. I got one more um, that I had no idea, but it's a great one. How about "What a Man" by Salt and Pepper? What a man! What a man! Yeah, what a mighty good man! What a mighty good man is a cover of a song by Linda Lindell. Okay, uh, and if you listen back to it. Um, it uses they used her version as the sample that their version is based on. Okay. Okay. So here's the original version of "What a Man." Uh, this is by Linda Lindell, and you'll you'll know the Salt and Pepper version immediately. You'll think you're listening to it until she starts until singing. Until the vocals. Yeah. 
They just added the rap verses, mm-hmm. and then they do her chorus. Yeah, oh, that's it. Ta-da! <laughs> Face sounds good. In case you weren't sure that we were telling the truth. I can love you Is, what a man, what a man, what a man, what a man. I like it. Yeah. Feels, it still feels great, man. It's got that, it's got this sort of like laziness to it that I really like. It's very, very laid back in the groove. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. No. We're talking about Grand Funk Something Railroad. Something completely different. Yeah. So why don't we take a minute and meet yeah. Grand Funk Railroad let's before we talk to Mark Farner? Hey, let's meet the man. It's time to meet the man. Hey, mama, let's meet the man. Let's all meet the band. Uh, we're going to meet the band of Grand Funk, or as Rob likes to say, Grand Funk Railroad. Grand Funk Railroad. <laughs> choo choo. I'm going to start a little different. Uh, it's three piece. We talked about the power trio, but yeah. I do want to talk about the producer. Um, I always try to talk a little bit about some supporting cast, and I, I call the producer an important part of this. Absolutely. Um, he, his name is Jimmy Leonard, and of Leonard Skinner fame. Uh, no, no, spell a little <laughs> bit different. Um, he was the guy that produced all Three Dog Night stuff. Okay. Um, that and, makes perfect sense. Which makes perfect sense because I find them similar to Grand Funk, mainly because they are some of my dad's favorite bands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and me and Rob talked about... Uh, we're going to talk about you can introduce yeah, this section. I just I was just thinking like everybody's dad loves Grand Funk Railroad. Exactly. Right? Everybody's dad loves Three Dog Night. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? As a matter of fact, there's a reference, I won't play it, but there's a reference on The Simpsons to Grand Funk being one of Homer's favorite bands. Yeah. Uh, and he's like he says, "Okay, no, actually I should play it because it's funny." And he delivers it in such a way. And I don't want to insult anybody, but Homer kind of does. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and it's really funny. KFSL Fossil 103. Classic hit it's from Abba to Zeppelin, Kama Land. Tell him! Uh, Mr. Simpson, sir, can you please change the radio station? But this is Grand Funk Railroad. You guys back there know Grand Funk, right? Nobody knows the band Grand Funk? The wild shirtless lyrics of Mark Farner? The bong-rattling bass of Mel Shocker? The competent drum work of Don Brewer? <laughs> oh, man. No, there that's, you a, go. that's a great quote. That's yeah. good, Homer. Well done. Um, so we were going to talk about the Mount Rushmore of our dad's band. Yeah. Or of our dad's artists. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so do y'all know how many people are on Mount Rushmore? Uh, I'm thinking 17, 18? We'll go with four. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, four, so four, we're going to do four. four. Okay. Um, do you want to go alternating fashion? Sure. Yeah, okay. why not? Go, no, no, no. Let's do four at a time. Four Mount Rushmore, time. it's good to do all four together. Okay. Yeah. Three Dog Night definitely makes my my dad's. He's okay. Lincoln. Yeah. So th- <laughs> that's that's Three Dog Night for dad. Um, Chicago is yeah. on there. Oh, yeah. This is going to not fit, and it's going to be like, why did this person end up on the Rushmore? Okay. But Stephen Curtis Chapman <laughs> is going to be thrown in there, and the Doobie Brothers. Okay. So, and I know you can't really oh, put wow. bands on a face, but you get it. Those sure. are our four. So yeah, that would be the matter. Three yeah. Dog Night, Chicago, Stephen Curtis Chapman, one of these things is not like the other, and the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> okay. so. All right. My, so my dads would share two of yours. Okay. My dads would be uh, Grand Funk, uh, Chicago, yeah. Three Dog Night, okay. and I'm going to say Poco. Okay. Uh, I think Poco would be up there for him. It was a tough call between Poco, James Gang, and Steppenwolf. Eagles. 
Uh, yeah, Steppenwolf also heavy, but I think I think Dad would say Poco. Okay, so that was yeah. cool. That was fun. And Dad, I know you listen every week, so tell me which one I missed. I, I tried <laughs> I tried to do the best I could for you there. Uh, Jimmy, the producer, also did the soundtrack for Dirty Dancing, um, and he was the guy that convinced Patrick Swayze to sing "She's Like the Wind." Oh, so he was, he's responsible for that. He's responsible. I was going to say, like it or hate it, it's a staple in '80s music. It is. It really is. It really is. And the thing that I think is also neat when tying in with that is the same producer did the soundtrack for the Big Chill. Okay. So White Men Can't Jump, which isn't huge, but whatever. And yeah. Sister Act 2, which. Oh. Uh, so you do Dirty Dancing, wow. Big Chill, and Sister Act 2, Dang. which are three of the arguably biggest soundtracks. Yeah, of a generation, of a generation. for sure. And he did, he was the producer on this one. So got to take a minute and talk about Jimmy Leonard. We don't talk wow. about him much stuff. Um, on drums, Don Brewer, <laughs> Homer the mentioned him. Drumming <laughs> Don Brewer. Started his first band at age 12, uh, does lead vocals on American Band and verses one and three on Some Kind of Wonderful. Um, like so many bands, uh, Grand Funk had a few different eras of breakups and rejoinings, and we're not going to get into all that. But on one of the breaks, he started a band named Flint, which is where he came from. We talked about Flint, Michigan. And he also played drums with Bob Seger's Silver Bullet Band yeah. in the 80s and mid-2000s. So he had two different eras with, with Bob Seger. Um, his drum solo at 71 Shea Stadium concert is one of the best ever. Um, my favorite solo of his is on Tunk Live at the Forum in 1974. So we're not going to listen, but if you take a minute, go to about minute five. It's like a 10-minute song, but check out his drum solo. He had um, some great hair, too. Man, there Let's you not go. kill ourselves. There you go. Um, on He now lives in Jupiter, Florida, for those okay. of you guys that want to round up Don Burr. Um, <laughs> round him up? I don't like, know. I'm going to kidnap him. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> on bass, uh, Melvin George Shaker. Um, I think it's Shocker. Shocker? If Homer Simpson is correct, it's yeah, Shocker. It's shocker. it's shocker, yeah. But I like Shaker. Shaker. Anyway, it's Mel. Like a, I just call it Mel. Shaking bass. That's right. You know rattling. I mean? Bong yeah. rattling. Bong rattling bass. Bong shaking uh, bass. Started on the banjo at age seven. Uh, not many bass players that I know start on banjo. That's true. Uh, not, Although, shouts out to Joey Abbott. That's right. Joey. Right? Oh, yeah. Joseph Tag Abbott. Yeah. F- frequent uh, guest on the podcast. I miss Joey. We need Joey back. Joey, we, we got to get Joey back season. soon. It's coming on. There's, it's happening. Uh, not your typical bass player story. Uh, became part of a trio, uh, ironically enough, in Grand Funk now. But play this first trio that he played in was playing local wedding receptions. I can't okay. fault that. His first real band, in, I guess in quotes, real band, was Question Mark and the Mysterians. And they actually had a hit with the 96 song Tears, which cracked the Rolling Stones' top 500 songs. Really? Uh, in the list that came out in 2004. In 96? 96. 1996? 1996. Huh. So, no, 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 no. That wouldn't have been his first band. Okay. Sorry. The, the song is called 96 Tears. Oh, 96 Tears. Yes. Okay. I was like, yes. yes that it was wasn't his... in 96. Yes. It was 96 Tears okay. is the name of the song. But Sorry that was pre-Grand Funk. That was pre-Grand Funk. Now our timeline is correct. Pre-Grand Funk, Not question 96. mark in the Mysterians. Mm. Yes. 96 Tears. There you go. Thank there you go. so much. Um, their lead guitarist in uh, Question Mark of the Mysterians is a guy named Bobby Balderrama, who's actually still relevant. And last year he wrote a book. Um, uh, this, uh, so the book's called Famous Guitarist I've Met Who've Influenced Me. Oh. That's a great book. So I, I read, that was a lot of fun to make. Yeah. I, yeah. So I read through a little bit of it. It's a pretty good section on Johnny Winter. Really good one on Rick Derringer. So I really enjoyed that book. That's um, Just what little I read. Um Mel, who I'm speaking of, Mac, now, is pretty shy fella. Um, I want to talk about his gear for just a little bit before we move on from him. I read this in Bass Player Magazine from 2003, um, which the reason that um, magazine 
is important is because this was the first issue ever released oh. of Bass Player Magazine. It was in 2003, and this was the, one of the featured articles. Okay. So Mel was featured in the very first one of Bass Player Magazine. I mean, that, that says a lot. Um, so I, I was looking up gear just because I like to do this. He used a J-Bass through two West Fillmore amplifiers rigged with GEC KT88 tubes from the UK. I actually asked Mark about this later, about their a- about their amps on the interview, and I completely read everything. You I'd written it. down wrong. I had my moment. I was so geeking out. I'm like, oh my God, the amp? He's like, nope, it was two Westfield. So anyway, so he verified what I just read. I just asked it wrong because I was so excited to be hanging out with Mark Farner. Um you're the, distracted by all the shirtlessness. Know, all, the, all the chest hair. Um, pricey, this is a quote about uh, about the amps and the tubes and everything. Pricey is, insert, uh, edit, we don't have to really edit it. Uh, the GEC tubes frequently blew in the middle of gigs. We talked about how loud they play. Yeah. Due to their horrible impotence mismatch with the West Heads. Uh, Mel's base tech uh, would wear heavy flame resistant gloves and would stand on a stool behind the stack of JBL D140 speakers and wait for the tube to flame out. Wow. Then instantly just plug in a new one. Man. So changing tubes mid set is just crazy. I don't dude. think I've ever liked an amp that much. That just, I would be willing to put up with that. Just, yeah, have somebody sit back there in flame-resistant gloves. <laughs> How'd you like to be that guy? Right. Don't catch on fire. Yeah. Thanks for being here. He's back there dressed like a swordsmith. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, right. just, That's awesome. Um, and on lead guitar and vocals, Mark Farner. Yeah, baby. One of the greatest rock guitarists of all time. Founding member of Grand Funk Railroad. Solo Projects. In uh, Ringo Starr's All Star Band, yeah. Which, if you make that, cut, and the lineup that he was part of, oh was, man, oh, so 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 good. so good. Yeah, great legendary riffs. One of my favorites, which we get to talk about, fortunately, is one of the great guitar parts is on "I'm Your Captain" because this is the 50th anniversary of Closer to Home. It's 50 years. So how awesome is it that we get to talk to him about on the 50 year of this? Yeah. Um, and so we're going to. You want to play a little? Play, yeah, yeah, let's, let's play, play a little, a little of "I'm Your Captain." This is big, and then we'll hand it. Straight over to Mark Farner and, and let you hang out with him and us for a little bit and hear how geeked out we got and had a good time with one of our faves. All right, here's Closer to Home, I'm Your Captain. This is Closer to Home, sla- uh, not, uh, excuse me, this is Closer to Home, parentheses, I'm Your Captain. Which Rob loves. From the, I love parentheses and song titles, it's true. Uh, from the album Closer to Home by Grand Funk Railroad. about that minor bass line over major chords? Only in the late 60s, early 70s. Feels so good. Oh, man. yeah, man. Such a good sing-along. Oh, yeah, man. That's so great. good. 50 so, years. 50 Golly. years. Happy 50th. It's weird that like, it's weird that modern, what I would consider modern rock is 50 years old. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, that's And I could bizarre. talk about Mark Farner for a while, but let's let you guys hear from him about him. 
yeah. and things. <laughs> Absolutely. So I normally talk about gear, but we'll ask him about gear. I normally yeah. talk. So this is his chance to answer all the things that I would have gotten wrong anyway. That's right. And we'll be back with some more notes uh, and the worst cover version of some. Oh, kind and of one and a game, and, and we've got a game. You know, I end. try to do a game each time. So, so That's ladies and gentlemen, let's go right now. Let's go talk to Mark Farner. Take off your shirt, have a good listen, <laughs> and wherever you are right now, I double dog dare you. Take off your shirt and listen. Send us, <laughs> send us a picture no, of it no, if we're it's not decent. For shirtless if pictures. it's decent, no, no, no. dudes only, dudes only, <laughs> shirtless. We'll post it on Instagram. <laughs> here comes Mark Farner. <laughs> Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Mark Farner. Uh, I can't believe I just said that, honestly. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a real treat. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, it's a real, real pleasure to have you on the show today. Hey, it is my pleasure, Rob and JP. It's good to be with you boys. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to get, we're, we're, we want to be uh, mindful of your time. So we're just going to start throwing stuff at you. Um, uh, for, the first thing I want to ask is. Um, Let me put my catcher's mitt on here. Okay. Hang on. <laughs> Absolutely. Here comes the heater. Um, okay. All right. So uh, how, how does it make you feel when people say things like Grand Funk was foundational to the creation of hard rock music? What does that, what does that make you uh what does that make you think about? It makes me think about the the taste in music of that person, which I really appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I can appreciate it. A lot of people, you know, say we're the grandfathers of heavy metal, or mm. you know, we've been referred to as a lot of things. But uh, we thought of ourselves as like assembly line rock and roll from flint michigan that's great i got yeah man i got laid off from high school so i could go play rock and grand <laughs> funk that's awesome <laughs> that's yeah i uh i've been on kind of a musical fast of mu- you'll understand that uh with your with your faith background where i've only been listening to power trio music uh for this week so i've dedicated myself Ooh. to power trio music so like Hendrix Cream, you guys, how does it feel to be kind of one of the pioneers of the power trio? And how do you think it's uh, developed through the years with like then Rush and ZZ Top and more recently like Muse and uh, King's X, stuff like that? Talk a little bit about the the power trio, how you feel about that. Well, it's, you know, in a power trio, uh, less is more. You got to leave room for the groove. And I think. I mean, just from my own personal experience and what I liked, you know, like when we listened to Cream, uh, the album Fresh Cream, man, it was like uh, the the tone of Clapton's guitar was the ultimate tone. It was my friends and I would sit around and go, holy crap, man, we got to get we got to get our guitars to do this. (laughs) And, and, you know, and he had a, a style, but. That he, but he happened to abandon that tone and style after Fresh Cream, and we all wondered where it went. You know, yeah. Uh, but it's part of the signature of that person when you're listening to you know music of like Hendrix. He had that style. He had a certain vibrato that he put on that nobody could play a vibrato like that. Sure. A lot of people have tried. <laughs> But you know, and and uh, what do they say about if if you uh, cops try to cop somebody's groove? You know that flattery is is uh, 
the most, uh, I mean, it's a, it's the highest compliment. Yeah, right? Imitation it's, is the highest form of flattery. That's yeah, good. Yeah, that's imitation. Good. That's it. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll tie in with kind of tone and sound. Um, I've m- most recent pictures of you playing. It looks like you play a Parker Fly for the most part. But in the yeah. in the early days, what I heard somebody told me that you tried to play cheaper guitars to give it a grittier sound. Is that true, or was that misinformation? What what kind that of gear? Misinformation. Okay, okay. <laughs> cool. I love the sound that you have. What did you play? Do you remember what you kind of your, your gear? Absolutely. I I played a Messenger guitar, which had an aluminum neck. Whoa! That uh, wow! That didn't run into any wood until after. The last fret it was like twenty six frets on it, and what? and then and then you hit the the body of the guitar, so you had the same dimension. You didn't have to make the adjustment where uh, you know a screw on neck would go; it's thicker, and you and you got the cutaway, and you got you know you got to develop a technique to play up there. But on the messenger, you didn't have to develop any technique because it was the same. From bottom to top, the same dimension, and you didn't run into any wood problems on it. And this is what I like about the fly as well, because it's a it's a neck through design. It's only five pounds and it's solid mahogany. Mine is a uh, what they call a hardtail because I don't like to use uh, whammy bars. I never did. I like to use my hand to make the vibrato or or a chorus or not. You know, just just as a signature thing on leads, but I do it on chords too. I, I, you know, I shake them a little bit, sure. give them some, some character. Do you remember but, what, do you remember what you played through? I saw that you had, did y'all play through watt amps? Is that what y'all used for the most part? No, we used West amps. West amps. Okay. Yeah. West was out of Flint, Michigan. And we worked at this yep. guy's factory before we were Grand Funk. I, I worked there. Dennis Bellinger worked there. We made cabinets. We we soldered, uh, you know, all the circuit boards and uh, and assembled the chassis with the big transformers and stuff uh, before we were in the band doing it. I mean, we were wow. making this amp, so we we already knew about the amplifier because we were hearing it all day long. They were, you know, somebody grabbing it. Uh, acts and playing and and all of us other guys that were working are going yeah man turn it up (laughs) (laughs) man that's very that's the most that's the most working class rock and roll thing like we were working in the amp factory you know what i mean and then we end up just using those amps because we knew them so well that's i love that so much that's great yeah man who are your uh who were your guitar uh influences you got to ask guitar players who are your influences well uh, foremost is Hendrix. Okay. Because, uh, you know, he made that thing sing, he made that thing cry, and he made it thing uh, make love, man, to hey, your ears. Hey, all yeah. right. And, and I, I dug uh, when Jeff Beck was in Yardbirds, you know? Yeah. I went and saw those guys live, and he, he was awesome. Uh, who else? Uh, but Rick Derringer, man, I was a uh, I was in Tokyo doing the World Music Fair over there on behalf of PV Electronics, and I was hearing a guitar player, and I'm thinking, 
holy crap, man, is this a Japanese guy over here playing like that? Holy huh. crap, I got to go see what that is. And I go way over to where the sound is coming from, and I, I turn the corner and look, and there's Derringer standing there on stage and tearing it up. It, he was one of my uh, you know influences as well. It, just his his tones and and uh, his scat work, his, the way he plays, man. He's he's got he puts it together quite nicely. Indeed. Um, let's. Uh, I want to talk because I think when you when you when you said you were working with PV Electronics, that made me think. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, looking at remembering some of the uh, inside album covers from some of your. Uh, contemporary Christian stuff in the late 80s, early 90s. I felt like maybe you were uh, playing some PV stuff then. Is that right? Yep. Impact. Okay. The, the, the guitars that I played were, I played an Impact and an Impact 2. Okay. So what yeah. was, <clears throat> what made you t- make the switch from from those, from what you were playing previously? Well, the, on the Messenger, it just, the, the uh, frets got erased you know and okay. i did i didn't trust anybody with that aluminum neck um you know that wasn't from the factory of course i mean uh-huh. i would have sent it back to the factory if they had still been in business but they were long out of business they oh. went back and folded so it's still in that same condition and it i still got her wow she's she's my baby but uh i don't play it anymore and i and the I, I'm, E Pluribus Funk, I played a SG, a white SG that I got from Stevie Marriott. Those guys opened our European tour for us in 70. And we we asked them to come back to the United States with us and open our U.S. tour. They were the band. Their first gig was Shea Stadium. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, they, they opened for Grand Funk at Shea Stadium. Man, that's yeah, crazy. so that was their first U.S. appearance, and those guys took off like wildfire after that. Now, I do have to ask you about, since you mentioned Shea Stadium, I know in 71, y'all sold that out in like 72 hours, something like that? Yeah. And it took the yeah. Beatles like four weeks to sell out? Yeah, and this is before there was any kind of Ticketron or electronic uh, ticketing at all. You had to go buy it from Wow, so that's just walk-up ticket sales. Yep. Good night. You've got some uh, you've got some definite good concert stories. So we'll touch on concerts for a minute. I know we just mentioned the Shea one. How about uh, you want to tell the listeners about the time uh, the second night of the tour with Zeppelin? You want to give your your take on that? Uh, well, yeah, my take is you know we were tearing them up with the audience. We were in Detroit. It's a home state crowd, so yeah. they were you know with us because we hadn't played in Detroit. We played all over the world and, and never played Michigan hard. Oh, I mean, because wow. that's where we got our start. We kind of wore Michigan out. So when we came back as Grand Funk, uh, this was a big deal, and, and the fans were just loving it, and we were just fixing to go into inside looking out. We were, I think we were ending into the sun, and as I'm going up to the wah-wah pedal to kick in, the whole, everything just quit. The whole stage went <laughs> silent, man, except for Brewery back there beating the crap out of those things and he looking around at like, what's, what happened? What's going on here? <laughs> it, it, Terry Knight comes walking out. Terry Knight is, was our first manager there. Came walking out and somebody turned that microphone on for him so he could speak to the audience. And he said something like, 
Well, due to contractual obligation, Grand Funk has to leave the stage, and the, the audience oh. went, ooh, and he was throwing wine bottles and pint whiskey bottles and all kinds of stuff at the stage. Uh, they wanted us to play, man. They wanted us to do what we were fixing to do. But <laughs> Peter Peter Grant, uh, Zeppelin's manager, pulled the plug on us. And he was a just his body. That, that boy looked like he was seven feet tall. I mean, big, <laughs> you know, wrestler. He was an ex-wrestler. And he grabbed Terry Knight, from what I understand. What Terry told us is he picked him right up off the floor by the nap of his neck, you know. Wow. So. Uh, uh, he was convinced that he had to get out on the microphone and, and end that concert. <laughs> and, Man, and, what a story. And for me, it was, a, it was a great time to observe Led Zeppelin because I went out after about an hour and a half in between the Grand Funk and Zeppelin. They finally came on. A long time for an audience to wait. So yeah, no, over, yeah. Half of, yeah, over half had already left. Man. So that left the whole back end of that, of the Olympia, that where the concert was in Detroit, to us. And so we went back there, picked some great seats right in the middle, <laughs> and watched them, <laughs> watched them play, and nobody knew we were back there. That's awesome. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, we touched a little bit on your solo projects. Um, the Some Kind of Wonderful album, uh, the Some Kind of Wonderful is probably the most popular. I love Love From Above. But one of my favorite yeah. songs is one that kind of gets, um, I don't want to say overlooked, but people may forget about. Without You, I think that's the best example of the power ballad in CCM music. And the solo is so melodic. So for somebody that was the 70s power arena rocker, how was it to record something a little more vulnerable and, and more ballad-like on a CCM project? What was What was that time like? Well, it was good time because I, as a singer, I've sung to everything, you know, coming uh, coming up and anything that come on the radio, I'd sing with it. So, uh, to to when I heard a, a a copy of the song, a girl in Florida wrote the song, and it was good. I mean, I could hear how I would have done it listening to the way she did it. Mm. And so we, we, in the recording studio, we did laid down the tracks, of course. And then when I sang it, you know, like I sing everything, I close my eyes and I sing into the microphone. I try to become the character of the song, imagining myself to be uh, the one that I'm singing about or the one I'm singing to, or the one I'm singing from, but the one, you know, uh, it's part of my theatrics as a performer. Gotcha. What uh, yeah. uh, digging in a little a little further into that CCM? I'm just interested in what was the um, what was it about that time that time period that made you feel like this is the right time to put out this particular message? What was that that transition from you know the rock guy the 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 hard rock pioneer into that contemporary Christian? What what made you go? Now's the time for this. Well. I think because of the what happened to the uh, you know the deregulation of the FCC in 1995 um, really changed everything, but it was well on its way to being changed because of the the powers that be that were controlling what the ears of the public were listening to, hmm. and and I knew that 
when I gave my life back to Jesus Christ, and I went in, out to L.A., and I met with the guys from Frontline uh, Records, Jimmy Kempner and them, they really were into uh, what I could do, what I could you know, say in the in the church and, and get away with it because I'm a I am a street minister. <laughs> you know, hmm. Jesus is not the same uh, Jesus uh, to me as the what the church tries to to put over. And mo- I'm saying the church because most like 99 percent of the churches operate under a 501c3, which I could never do once I found out what you had to give up and. And and who you turn that authority over to, it's you know you're given man uh, the the authority over your ministry uh, for God. No, I don't think so. Well, I can tell you, you definitely got your message out. I worked at the largest Christian bookstore in North America from '99 to 2004, and CDs were still the latest rage. That's back when people still bought CDs. <laughs> and uh, there was a dual package deal from KMG Records, their classic archive. It was "Wake Up" and "Closer to Home," or uh, "Wake Up" and and "Closer to Home." The the Christian back to back ones that you had that you could buy two in one, and we could not yeah. keep that one on the shelf. So I can All tell right. you, I can tell you, your message definitely. Got out in uh, Cleveland, Tennessee. Uh, it was the largest, right. largest, so you could you could rest assured on that. Um, I do want to touch base because this is the 50th anniversary of Closer to Home. Um, yes, the, sir. So um, the title track, "I'm Your Captain," is huge. The Closer to Home, "I'm Your Captain." So we'll definitely play samplings of this. Um, but since our time is limited with you, there are a couple things I wanted to ask you about that album in particular. Um, first yeah. of all, everybody knows you as the rock guitar legend, but what they may not know is that you did keyboard and piano work on there as well. Too is that correct? That's exactly right. That's awesome. In fact, I wrote some of the songs, you know, on keyboard. That's some great. The, yeah, um, and, and I'm not a, I'm not really a, a uh, trained keyboardist. I just learned how to play, uh, packing it out and watching other people play, and then I, you know, I would try. Finally, you know, I, if something clicked, and I. I can do it now. Well, you definitely <laughs> aren't aren't lacking in keyboard chops on the album. That's that's for sure. The song that I did want to ask you about, nothing is the same. Um, so the guitar work on that, the intro, I feel like it has to be a, a bit of an inspiration for your boy Peter Frampton of Humble Pie, who actually opened for you guys, if I'm not mistaken, and was almost became a member of Grand Funk. So the intro, tonally to me, it kind of hints at. Do you feel like we do? Have you ever thought of that? The way the intro lands. Well, I never thought of it that way, but now that you mention it, I can definitely relate. Well, you'll have to you'll have to send your boy Pete a message and That's be right. like, "Hey, Tell by me. the way, I was talking to my buddies Rob and JP, <laughs> yeah. and I think we need to we can discuss some things." He may owe you a thank you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing too, great opener sends a good man's brother. It's it's so it tricks me every time because it starts all acoustic, all nice, and then bam, the riff just hits you right in the face. Um, so I do want to want to commend you on a great opener. I'm a I'm always a fan Thank of you, JP. I appreciate that creative brother. openers. The other thing too, this was the third album released in less than a year from you guys. You did on time in August, then the red album in December, and this came out in June of seventy. So you actually produced th- or put out three albums in a year. How did you balance touring with recording three powerhouse albums in a year? 
as soon as we left the studio, we were back on the stage. Wow. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, we when we did that tour with Blood Rock, we did uh, 59 cities in 62 days. Holy wow. cow. Goodness gracious. Yeah. <laughs> and so were you, were you riding on the road in between gigs? How did the songs get put together? Yes, that's exactly how it happened. And, and when I was home for, you know, I'd go out because I've been farming all my life. I'd, get, I'd be out cutting hay or I'd be out, you know, planting wheat or oats or corn or something and, and, going around in circles in the field, you know, and writing uh, songs to the to what that tractor was singing. That's wow. awesome. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. I know a lot of yeah. your I know a lot of your biggest hits are some of them are actually covers. Um so like Inside Looking Out was an animals cover that y'all did on the on the red album. Locomotion that's was right. obviously a cover. That's right. Some kind of wonderful some people may not know was a cover. Um yeah. did y'all John uh, Yeah, John Ellison, good job. Uh the um when you did the when you were putting together an album, did you have these covers in mind, or were those let's piece the album together and then this is kind of I don't want to say filler, but kind of ties it in. Where did the cover fit as you're putting together an album? Me and Rob are both album guys, so we like to know kind of the the story. Yeah. Well, some kind of wonderful is a song that we would sometimes we'd warm up with it on the way to the gig in the back of the limo. Oh, cool. And. And our manager, Andy Cavalieri, this is after Terry Knight days, uh, Andy put the glass down. He says, you guys, what the hell is that song that you keep singing? And, and we go, that's some kind of wonderful, dude. This old brother six. He <laughs> says, you, you guys should cut that song. You need to record that song. And, and we did. That's awesome. But uh, Todd Rundgren was in the studio in Michigan, the swamp. Um, and I lived across the road from the swamp, uh, That's convenient. The farm, and I went over and had lunch. And when I came back, it was a, you know, it was a summer day, it was, the sun was shining and I lived on a dirt road and of course I had a dirt driveway that went back down into the swamp. And as I got about, oh, halfway through the S curve that's in that driveway, I just started singing. Everybody's doing it, <laughs> and and the guys I I couldn't see them, but they started singing the background. They were out in the parking lot having a smoke, and they heard me start singing, and they start singing the backgrounds, and and I kept singing, and they kept singing, and Rundgren came out of the studio going, "What the is that you're singing?" And we go, "Are you kidding me? That's little Eva. That's you know that's a locomotion." And he says, "Man." Come in here right now because this is when we got to cut it. And I'm, awesome. not, I'm not kidding you. We all went to our instruments. Rundgren went into the control room, pushed a red button, came out into the studio with us, and we did a take on it. That is awesome. <laughs> I love that story. That's so good. And I know the radio edits your staticky guitar solo, which is on Shine and On, but give me that. Give me all the nastiness of that. That's what I want. So Yeah. <laughs> Good, good, good job on that. Well, um, one other Thank thing you. we talked about covers. I'm going to go a little bit different spin on covers, album covers. Now, I think you guys, how and 
let me tell about a couple things, and then I'll ask you the question. I think the red album cover is one of my favorites ever. It's just red, and it's awesome. Um, obviously, all the girls in the world beware with your faces on Schwarzenegger, <laughs> and Franco Colombo is brilliant. Um, on time and survival, definitely embrace your, your Native American heritage, so you're welcome to speak on that. How involved were you in the um, in the album design and the layouts of the covers? Well, Terry Knight came up with um, the, the first stuff, you know, the E Pluribus Funk, the Round Coin, yep, uh, Survival, um, you know, the, all the that was. And in fact, let me just tell you a little story about what happened when we were doing the Survival cover. That was back in thirty-five millimeter days, and the the guy, the photographer, was over in the shade. We were doing this in a a park that's up above Los Angeles. And we are at the mouth of the upper mouth of the cave and the lower mouth of the cave, uh, took a, you know, a couple of turns and it was about maybe a quarter of a mile through there. So we're at the top and every time the guy would have to change his film, we would go back inside the cave and those guys would go over underneath this, the shade uh, rock that was hanging over the cliff there, and they they would go in the shade and change out their stuff. So we're standing there. Mel's got a cigarette going, and we start hearing these voices of somebody's coming up the cave, right? Oh my and goodness! These, yeah, these little kids, dude. What? They came around the corner and they saw us standing there, and they went, "Wow!" <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And they, they took off running down the other way, going, "Ma." <laughs> well, I, I I will tell you the inside of we're an American band. I'm sorry, it's terrible. <laughs> you guys should have put. Oh some, man! Oh my gosh! There, y'all needed but, some some more clothing in on that one. Um, <laughs> well, that Lynn, that was Lynn Goldsmith that okay. designed American oh. Band. Okay. She did American Band and and Shining On and all the girls in the world. She did all yep. those albums. <laughs> well, that, that's cool. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to tell the listeners out there about? Anything you want to pitch? Um, we def- anything we know you want to talk about Mark Farner and American Band? Um, yeah, uh, keep an eye on my website. We're going to be coming out with a, a live uh, DVD that was shot in Santiago, Chile in 2017. It's been a long time coming, but it is coming. And just keep your head down. I mean, it's time that the nation, uh, all together now, we're doing this fire drill. When the bell goes off, you know the drill. You get up, you get out of your seat, you go out in the hallway, you get in a single file, and you go out of the school. Everybody's calm and collected because we've done this before. You know, that's the way we got to treat this. But people ain't treating it like it's a fire drill. They're kind of blowing it off and the spring breakers didn't want it to cut into their time. Oh my God, dude, this country needs a, uh, a shock collar on it. <laughs> it's like, no, you don't do that. <laughs> Def- definitely a Tom. That's for sure. In the, yeah, in the, really the, district, so. the good part is we are still the citizens of the greatest country in the world. And and it is our responsibility to one another to keep it this way and to preserve it uh, for our children. Constitution intact, 
find out what the country is all about by learning the Constitution. Please. We the, we the people of the United States. There, there you go. go. That's right. Be a citizen. Be informed. Know about your country. Know about your government. We're all for all of that. And you're obviously a very patriotic guy, and it's evident in your work. You know, you've, you've, you've always had that sort of thread running through your work. Um, and uh, so uh, it's, it's obvious. And even, your, even the logo, which, by the way, I love for Mark Farner's American Band, is just a peace oh, sign with two red, white, and blue guitars. And it's stars and stripes. It's, you know, it just says, we're here to party. We're, we're here to have a good time and, and, and you know, celebrate what's great about uh, this land that we love. So that's always cool. Uh, we wish you all the best yeah, in thanks, everything Mark. that's going on. Uh, everybody keep your eyes on markfarner.com, like he said, for that thanks, upcoming uh, DVD and uh, everything that's going on with Mark and with Mark Farner's American Band. Catch them on the road uh, whenever things are happening on the road again. And uh, <laughs> and so uh, be sure to uh, support. Keep listening to Grand Funk and Mark's solo stuff and all that all that great stuff that he's done throughout this career now that is stretching past 50 years and, and going on even into the future. Uh, Mark, we are so appreciative Thank of your, you so of much, your time Mark. and we willingness to join us today, man. Hey, it's my pleasure, brothers. Can I, can and I ask you one 30-second question that we may not even put in the interview? This is just for me, for knowledge, and, and then we'll be done. Your, the take you out, it sounds great, but it doesn't seem to be an A440 to me. It sounds Is it right that it's an A432? Am I right on that? Yeah. It is four three two. That is wow. crazy. That's awesome. Well done, JP. Good research. <laughs> so, thanks. I just needed to confirm that. That was driving me nuts. Did you have you ever tried that, JP? The four three two tuning? No. Uh. Uh-uh. No. Have you got an acoustic guitar? Absolutely. <laughs> Tune it to four three two, and it will thank you. The really? thing, the thing about four three two, and and I'll just give you one example. Uh, a friend of mine turned me on to it, a guy from San Diego, uh, ex-Navy SEAL, who's a guitar player. And he gave, sent me a link, and I watched this link, and they put a, a 15-inch, a single 15-inch cabinet next to a kiddie pool uh, on a deck and played A2 at 125 decibels. Wow. And A, A2 and, and the... A440 scale puts chop on the water at 125 decibels. Mm-hmm. I mean, 90 is killing you. I mean, 100 yeah. is tearing <laughs> your cheeks off. Yeah. So, you know, it puts chop on the water. So then they, they play A2 tuned to 432, and it's like a piece of glass. What in the world? That's crazy. At 125 decibels. Yes. Yeah, dude. And when you see that, that's what convinced me to try it in the first place. And my friend, because he's a good guitar player, he said, you're going to love it, man. Your acoustic is going to thank you. And I, and it has been. Man, I tuned that thing. Once I hit 432, I've never taken it out of 432. Really? I, that's what I go on. All my shows are 432. Whoa, did the, I didn't know that. That's when awesome. When we did the uh, uh, Happy Together tour with... Uh, you know, Chuck Negron and uh, Gary Lewis and the Playboys. It was Mitch Ryder and Detroit Wheels. I mean, and Flo and Eddie, of course. I asked them if they would please tune the band to four three two, and and so they and I explained the same way I just explained to you. Then they said, "Well, let's try it." So they they tried it and with electronic keyboards. It's easy to go to four oh, three two. We don't. Have, yeah, we don't have any horns. So 
we went out and did the whole tour in four three two, and I'll tell you it. I could hear the difference. I because I know the difference now, but uh, it's something that people love. I mean, it, because it's natural, it feels good to them. Wow, that's fascinating. That's I'm, worth the price of admission right there. Yeah. Thank you so much for that, Mark. That, yeah, man. Our listeners, thank you, as do we. So yeah, You've been so gracious. Right. It's been so much fun. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. You, I appreciate it. We'll and talk to you Rob soon. and JP and the great song podcast. Yes, God sir. bless you all. If I don't see you in the future, I'll see you in the pasture. All right. <laughs> I love it. Yes, thank sir. You. Have a good one. Podcast. Yes. That just happened. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Y'all. We seriously, of all the interviews that we've done so far, that was right up there with geekiness for us. And that was the one, one of the ones that I was probably mo- most looking forward to. Yeah. Like, I remember when you called me and said, dude, I think we got Mark Farner. I was running laps around the building. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. We were like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. So, thanks, Mark. Thank you so much, uh, Mark. Man, that, that was, was incredible. Awesome. Um, I, I just, uh, yeah, it's just so cool. Just so cool. Um, we get to do this. It's awesome. Yes. So let's play a game. Let's I do always it. try to throw in games when I can. Um, so some kind of wonderful, also the name of a movie. Of a movie, yeah. Uh, with Leah Thompson. Y'all yeah. will know her as Marty McFly's uh, mom. That's right. Yeah, his mom. His mom. Um, good good uh, little reference there. Lorraine. Lorraine. I was like, what is it? Lorraine Baines McFly. There, there we go. go. Yeah. That was, that was good. Hey, you. Keep your hands <laughs> off her. All right. So here we go. I'm going to give some, I'm going to give, let's just say five. I'll do five. Um, and you're going to say, is this a rock lyric from Grand Funk? Okay. Or is this a line from the movie? Okay. 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 You understand the game? Yeah. Okay. Because right. this can be, this is, this is good, I think. Do you know how much damage we could do to each other in an hour? Oh, wow. <laughs> that, oh, gosh. Uh, this is going to be tough. I want that to be a rock lyric. Is okay. that a lyric? You're going lyric? I'm going lyric. It's from the movie. Crap. Okay, 0 for 1. You better go to someone else for words. All I know is there are drums that sound so good together and some that don't. I think we sound good together. That's got to be from the movie. That's from the movie. Okay. Yeah, okay. I strike that out too long. I yeah, too cut, long. I should have cut that. Not enough rhyming. You should have just gone, I think that we sound I good know, together. I know, I right? know, man. Oh, gosh, I, I botched that. Well, one to one. That's good. It got you some points. 50%. But ding. Um, you can't judge a, judge a book by its cover, but you can tell how much it's going to cost. I'm going to go lyric. That's a great lyric, but it's also from the movie. Oh, what in the world? Wow. I know, right? That's tougher, right? Smart. That's smart. It's better to swallow pride than blood. Ugh. Uh, I'm going to guess movie. Movie. That's good. Okay. okay so you're at 50%. All these okay. could be lyrics. They really right, could. They yeah. all could be lyrics. Okay. No, you can't kill your brother. <laughs> I'm going movie. That sounds movie, but that's actually lyric wow. from anybody's answer. Grand oh, Fuck. So man. all right. So anyway, I'll give you a pop fly. Can Good I get game. a can I get a witness? Good game. Oh, that's from some kind of wonderful. There you go. Yes, I'll give okay. you a pop fly to finish it off with. So you finished it fifty percent. <laughs> so a lot of lyrics from that movie could have been rock lyrics. Yeah. And a lot of rock lyrics from Grand Funk should be in movies. That's right. So there you go. That's outstanding. Uh, okay, I promised you uh, a terrible version of this, <laughs> and so I want to make sure I deliver, because um, this is so weird to me, and I can't wait, because I don't think you've heard this. No, I haven't, um, no. Th- those of you, we haven't said this in a long time, but we do our research independently on the show, and we don't talk about what we, we have. We 
stay completely clear of everything. Yeah. And the first time we talk about these things is live. Yeah. Like, we're like, here we go. Let's see where it lands. Yeah. So sometimes we get to spring things on each other, which are really fun. So we, we played you the original version of the song by Soul Brothers 6, which was uh, from the late 60s. Uh, but, there, but the same group, and I'm going to go ahead and assume it's not all of the same group, uh, did a re-recording in 2012. Okay, so like 50 years later, um, for the re-election campaign of Barack Obama. Okay. Okay. All right. And so this is, uh, this is, I believe, John and Les of Soul Brother Six, because the artist's name is Soul Brother Six, John and Les. Okay. Um, and this is, Obama is some kind of wonderful, what? is the actual title. No. Okay. So uh, take a listen. Uh, the production quality is whew, out of this world. <laughs> Just out of this world. Snare sounds fantastic. Only you have the power to move us forward. Is that crowd cheering in the back? Yeah, they're cheering for four more years. The, uh, Obama, he's the one, <laughs> he's the man that he got the job done. I'm telling you, he's some kind of one. Okay. Yeah. yeah, some kind of one. He's the man. He's the man. All right. I would have liked to have heard Mark Farner's take on that version. <laughs> I bet, yeah. I bet he probably is a big fan. <laughs> oh, something that I forgot. We were so geeked out about the interview that I failed to ask the question that I ask every artist, Man, which is the right. gas station question. Yeah. Those of y'all that know every interview that I do, I ask, you know, what do you get when you go into the gas station? Yeah. Rob, what do you think Mark Farner gets in a gas station? What's the most patriotic snack? I know, that's what I was trying to th- think. What's good. the most gung-ho American snack? You know, it's uh, something that is something that, red, first white, of all, blue. He gets a Coca Cola uh-huh. for sure, oh, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Unless there's a unless there's a drink company that's based in Flint, uh-huh. right? That if, tastes like that tastes like hard work. Yeah. Right. Like sweat. Yeah. It tastes like, like s- yes, shirtless hard work. Uh-huh. If there's that, then he gets that. I'll have but, a sweat cola, please. But, but otherwise, he gets a Coca Cola. As far as something to eat, I, you got ideas? I was thinking like a man's thing, like beef jerky. Oh, uh, maybe so. Yeah. I don't know. Beef just jerky. Like, just, I don't know. But may, American, something American. Something, thing. yeah, like soup, like, yeah. Y'all let us know? know what's the most American food you can get in a gas in station. In a gas station. Not counting like, you know, cheeseburgers that you can microwave in a gas station. Yeah. I, I'm like, you know, like a snack thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the most like gung ho patriot, uh, you know, Lakota Sioux nation? Like, you <laughs> oh, know what I'm saying? Like, he's as an American as you can be. That's you know true. what I'm saying? That's like, good. he's so deep. Are there Indian snacks? Like, I'm sure, but I would not venture to try and guess what yeah, they are. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, yeah, that's I don't good. want to offend anybody. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so, like, but yeah, what's the what's the most deeply patriotic snack that you can get at a gas station? Whatever that is, that's what Mark Farner gets. That's, uh, let us know what that is, and if we think, Mark, of if it, you're listening, call yeah. us back and let us know. Yeah, what, we what thought about we hung up the phone and we're like, oh, we forgot to ask the gas station question. Couldn't Should we text it. him? But we were just so excited that we just had that, and we tried to be respectful. Yeah, because um, we we want to hang out with him again soon. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> 
and share a bottle of sweat cola and eat <laughs> something American. <laughs> so super patriotic. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Great Song Podcast. Oh, oh, send them out with the Farner version. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to send you out with uh, the Mark Farner version from his solo albums of Some Kind of Wonderful, which I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be honest, is my favorite. Uh, uh, His solo version is all the grand funkers that we have. Fa- I know we lost all the funkers, right? No, I'm just kidding because they probably love this version too. Sure, it's it's a little updated. It right, it came from the uh, early '90s, like 1991, I think. Um, it's got an amazing guitar solo in it that's so melodic and singable. It's got some hits in it that I just really love. It's got they he comes in on the second verse with a little delayed hit on um instead of hitting the downbeat, they hit on two and it's just it's got some things that, that I really really love. Um obviously both versions are incredible, but for me if I had to play one, I think I would probably play the Farner solo version. Uh, maybe because it's the version that I heard first as a kid. Okay. Because my dad rocked all the Farner solo sure, albums. Sure, good. And um, we talk about them. Just Another Injustice and uh, um, the, uh, the, the cover that we talked about to uh, wake up with the orange. Anyway, it's so awesome. Anyway, uh, so we're going to go out with this. Before we do that, too, I have to give a shout-out to Dave Passmore, Smokey Dave from Smokey Jam, who used to do this song, cover it beautifully, oh. wonderfully, magnificently, rock, rockily. So Outstanding. He, he took this to another. So, Davo. You're the man. Thank That's you. right. Make sure and check out uh, Mark Farner's American Band. They're coming to your town. They'll help you party down. Uh, and uh, check us out on the socials, facebook.com slash groups slash great song pod, or you can just search for the for the group Great Songs and the great people who love them greatly. We have a lot of fun over there. Hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at Great Song Pod, or as always, you can hit uh, archives and get some merch, maybe pick yourself up a t-shirt. My favorite, I think, is the Leoshi t-shirt. That's a good one. From the, uh, from the, from the uh, I'm episode I'm still a on- fan of the Neil Sean shirt. The Neil Sean Jerry Rafferty mashup, yes, that's a joke we haven't made in a long time. So, uh, you know, we haven't brought Jerry Rafferty up. No, it's it, he just he, hasn't come up in conversation. Man. So weird. Uh, but anyway, until we see you next time, we'll be back. Another uh, excuse me, we'll be back next week with another great <laughs> song. Until then, I'm Rob. Well, I'm JP. Go listen to some music. Yeah, no